Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me. Anyhow, that's how I feel. Wow, I feel just like a Pollyanna. Hey, everybody, and welcome to... A very, very special, spooky, and mysterious installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring your beloved Nick Offerman and mine. <laughs> Me, I'm Megan Mullally, Woo. and famous, well-known witch slash warlock, Aubrey Plaza. Hi, Aubrey. Hello. Observe uh, this <laughs> tiny baby head which i light on fire <laughs> observe the tiniest cauldron that you've ever seen he's literally got a cauldron a crystal ball with a baby hat on top of it two candles and she's wearing a hood a black well a hooded black cape we seem to have caught her mid incantation are you gonna set the baby hat on fire the baby head is on fire. Oh, I see. Oh, the baby head is on fire. So, um, will that help Ow. us? <gasps> oh, careful. Don't Podcast burn yourself. And the baby Watch. head's arm is also on fire. <laughs> <laughs> this is better for visuals. I don't know if this is gonna translate in the audio world. Well, I'm doing I'm just doing a blow by blow as best I can. You've really, All right. Really give us an incantation. Aubrey, hmm? kick us off. Oh, she's got a magic wand. I finally can show you my Chucky. <laughs> He's got a diamond encrusted Chucky face necklace. Stare a giant eyes. on a gold chain. Is that uh, is that one of the? Is it related to those medallions from Uncut Gems? I don't know. Someone gave this to me. Why does everyone keep saying that to me? I've been doing this every oh, night, by the way. How many people have you shown it to? Well, I kind of have developed this act, and um, I pretty much have been pulling cards every night for any poor I think you should pull some tarot cards, but it's probably not an act is my guess. I'd say it's working for Do you. Do some tarot cards right now for the podcast. I'm not a machine. You can't put quarters in me. Yes. Oh, well, I always did before. I always, you fine. your policy. All right. But I need to um, do some things to ready my cards because normally I do this at night when the moon is high and I'm also <laughs> high as fuck. <laughs> But I guess for you, I will do it now. <laughs> um, it just takes a minute for me to just get the energies going, energies flowing. But I will say that um, 
every card that I've pulled in the past two weeks have been spot on. Yeah, I bet. What's that? She's twirling a, uh, like a stone inside of a geodesic form around her head. Well described. Light go out. I keep have, I have to be careful not to set my hair on fire because I've set my hair on fire three times now during oh, these yeah. readings. Mm. I haven't figured out the... Well, this is good because our listeners are going to get a, a tarot card reading from Aubrey Plaza, famous well-known witch slash warlock. These are hard, dark times. All we have is dark magic to rely on. Well, it doesn't have to be dark unless you're doing it and then i guess it kind of automatically is no i'm a good witch i'm a white witch i just i don't want to um it's a slippery slope to kind of follow the path of of black dark magic but um i try to steer clear of that i try to keep it positive especially in these trying times okay she's got her card she's waving them around they're fanned out let me just talk to my feathered friends real quick I think her feathered friends are her spirit guides. That's my guess. Mm. Oh, she's now ringing a rather large, well, it looks large just because it's right in the camera, bell. You ready, my feathered friends? Yes, we're ready, my feathered friends. What you have to do is these cards are just going to very gently and very passively glide onto this table. Now, when you get the feeling or the urge, you just have to say one of two things. Pull towards me, which means that I'll take whatever card my hand is on and I'll pull it towards you. Or pull towards you and I'll take the card and I'll pull it towards me and then I'll present the card to you. And then I will discuss with my feathered friends what this means. <laughs> you understand? I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. And just like that, we start. And it's just so gentle. Cards cascading like a waterfall down onto a wooden surface. A light wood desk of She's sorts. putting them down one by one, very one gently. by one they go. They rest with their friends in a pile. No aggression here. <laughs> Just very passive and non-threatening these cards go. One. Pull towards you. And another. <gasps> Ooh! I'm just going to tell you that every card that I've pulled in the past two weeks has been spot on. And now, observe. Queen of... Queen of Swords. Is that right? We may we. La Reine de Eps. How do you pronounce it? Reine de Eps. Epe. Now... Queen of Swords. Okay. What does that mean? It's a, a woman sitting on a throne holding a giant sword. Now. That's pointing straight up in the air and there are clouds behind her on some blue to sky. To my feathered friends, talk amongst yourselves. Oh. It seems like the queen was also holding up her, the sword was in her right hand and her left hand was 
held out palm upward in sort of a benevolent gesture. And the queen also looked like she, a little bit like a dude. A Caucasian. She had a very, very, uh, a haircut that could have gone, that could swing either way. Mm -hmm. Kind of a shoulder length blunt cut. The queen of swords sits on a stone throne decorated with a cherub representing the queen's softer side and butterflies representing transformation. She Mm -hmm. faces towards the future with her left hand raised as if to receive and in her right hand she holds a sword up high and straight representing her desire to find the truth in all matters. This is a very strong card, Megan. And it's an upright pull, which is interesting because I pulled it towards me. But for some reason, you've still got this upright card. I love it. I'll take it. You have the gift of being able to use your intellect and unbiased judgment while also remaining flexible and open to receive input from other sources. You lead from the head and not the heart. You are better able to discern situations without the influence of a, of emotion and blah, 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 blah. You connect with other people through an intellectual understanding rather than an emotional one. The Queen of Swords notes that you are a truth seeker. You are open to hearing the thoughts and opinions of others. You filter this information to decipher what is true and what is not. When interacting with others, you will not tolerate mistruths or excessive bluff. You prefer to get to the heart of the matter without engaging in too much chit-chat or gossip. (gasps) What? You have an innate ability to tell it like it is, sister. You are a quick thinker and you're highly perceptive. And finally, as determined... As a determined, independent, and resilient person, you have established clear boundaries and you are quick to call out someone who crosses them. People do not mess with you, Megan. Not anymore. Not because you threaten them or inflict violence, but because you set expectations up front about how you want to be treated. Some people might be intimidated by you, but once they get past your tough exterior and develop a sense of trust and respect, they will see your softer side. Now, I love this card for you, Megan. It just feels right, doesn't it? It does. It really does. The queen of the badasses. God, I'm so exhausted. Take so much energy out of me to do this. Oh, man. Did did you absorb my my energies into you? And did did I pass through you? Yeah, I'm just so happy it was a positive reading because that was good. I like your method of. one one at a time uh, psychic moments. I don't know. It just came to me, you know. That's your own invention? That's the, the plaza style? The plaza Guys, I'm not, I'm not doing so good over here. I'm, uh, <laughs> You're not doing so good? I think I've lost a uh, sense of reality. And, um, Are you having a tough time? Just confused in general. Well, no, I... <laughs> I'm not having a tough time. I'm just, I don't know. I just need an act. I need an, an outlet. And I guess this is a. Have you been giving a lot of readings to different people? This is pretty much what I do all day long. Well, all night long. The minute the sun goes down, I arrive. That's so fun. So I love that. Have we, have we awoken you in the middle of your sleeping time? You've awoken me during my sleeping time, but that's okay. 
as long this as you don't open day. the curtains, as long as a ray of sun doesn't strike you, then you'll be okay. It's okay. It's interesting to see this baby head at, during the day. More features come to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a baby head, all right. I've got all these props just ready to go on my desk and finally finding a way to use them. Bones of sorts, teeth, tiny little teeth. Mm, <laughs> Where did you get those? Um, some of them are mine and some of them are Jeff's baby teeth. I have bones in my cauldron, tiny bears. Mm. I oh, do wow. like spells and stuff. Anyway, these are just my props. So this is how you're keeping yourself um, occupied and offering your service to humankind? Well, I feel like I have to do something. And I don't know why, but the power runs through me at night. And um, and I my desk has had all these things on it for so long that I've finally just been able to use them, you know. It's like I've been waiting to do this my whole life. She just showed us a um a tall votive candle with a saint. Miss Divine. Oh, it's, oh, it's uh, divine. Sh- oh, it's divine dressed as like Shiva on the bottom. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you guys, I have multiple crystal balls. I mean, these things are just all over my desk. I guess I didn't realize that your your witch thing was as real as it's turning out to be. I didn't ask for this power. No, it's uh, it was bestowed upon you. But I think the night at the women's um, witch party that we had really solidified this for me. It made it feel We were like- talking about that uh, yesterday. I've been having these girls' night parties with just all women, obviously. But, you know, just a, a really interesting mix of cool women. And Aubrey came to the—that was the first one. Mm-hmm. There have been three so far, and she was at the first one, and she went up on our balcony and this and gave a very stirring witch's incantation to the assembled masses of women. Yeah, that was a really important special night for me, and it kind of made me feel like, you know what, sometimes the universe just asks you to take a position and you either accept it and say yes or you reject it and i would have to say you're a really big part for uh, of all of this for me you were the one that really you helped got me the come power. into my own you're a powerful uh vessel thank you megan and i'm so sad that we couldn't do our witch party last time because it was supposed to be like i right. know it was supposed to be like um saturday before last yeah what do you guys do all day? Um, you know, sex. Nice. Yeah. The the um, sex and jigsaw puzzles uh, often at the same time. Yeah, Ooh. preferably <sighs> spicy. But I wanted to, you know, this just occurred to me. Do you are you a fan of the musician Nick Cave, Aubrey? <laughs> um, yeah, I am. I'm not. I know who he is. I'm not super familiar with like all. I'm not like a crazy fan. I know all of his stuff, but yeah, um, you're not a cave girl. But I'm not like a his ca- thing. But yeah, I dig his thing for sure. But he, for those that don't know, he's he's a awesome uh, sort of uh, boutique uh, Australian 
piano driven rock and roller for the last like 40 or years or so he has a band called the bad seeds bad seeds 40 years yeah and and anyway he has this he has this really great thing you can get um he has like an email list called the red hand files that you can sign up for and Mm -hmm. fans uh it's how he sort of addresses the question of fan mail so he chooses questions and then sends out this email letter answering like one or two questions and I just got one yesterday, and they're always really good. He's really wise. He's really uh, got a wonderful sense of empathy. And he's, he, I think you would really love, like, he's got a dark Ooh. sense of romance. I, I'm a big fan of his. But the reason I bring it up is is to recommend to people to check out the Red Hand Files from Nick Cave. Ooh. But specifically on this one, he's asked by his fans, like, what how are you creative like what are you doing during this time when we're all locked down at home and he's his answer was really interesting first he lists all the things he could do which i think is true for a lot of us in this in entertainment is he can like write an album he can get online and like do a solo concert from his bathroom Mm -hmm. and all, all the you know all, all the myriad things that we can be doing even like we're doing this podcast right now. But yeah. then the second half of the thing, he says, uh, the, another fan said, why is this the time to get creative? And he says, and I'll just read a little bit of it. Together we have stepped into history and are now living inside an event unprecedented in our lifetime. Every day the news provides us with dizzying information that a few weeks before would have been unthinkable. What deranged and divided us a month ago seems at best an embarrassment from an idle and privileged time. We have become eyewitnesses to a catastrophe that we are seeing unfold from the inside out. We're forced to isolate, to be vigilant, to be quiet, to watch and contemplate the possible implosion of our civilization in real time. And he goes on a little bit, and then he says, perhaps... We will know something of our resilience, our capacity for forgiveness, and our mutual vulnerability. Perhaps it is a time to pay attention, to be mindful, and to be observant. Mm. As an artist, it feels inapt to miss this extraordinary moment. And so what he's saying is maybe we, sh- maybe we should give ourselves permission not to buckle down and write a symphony right now and let it be okay. Like the world is being... KO'd, like being punched in the face and we're staggering on our feet like holy cow how will our society weather this punch mm-hmm. and let's give ourselves permission to like be witness to it and and look to one another and take care of one another and just not feel like we have to be involved in capitalism right now and be mm-hmm. like uh, we, we need to get back to work you know we need to get the the economy back on its blah 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 and instead say well let's let's look to our loved ones and our families you know and and see if we can survive without selling each other athletic shoes mhm i feel that i feel i've been thinking about that a lot actually just the idea of like you know taking this time to just be alive and just stop Cause I have that urge to, to be like productive and you're pretty prolific 
filmmaker you produce and i mean it seems like you're always in three new films and you're producing them and it is a really good time to just be still because when has that ever happened and when will it ever happen again um people don't even really know what it is <laughs> it seems so foreign to a lot of us i know what it is because i don't like to do anything but Oh, come on. You're always doing something. No, I don't know. I'm very much in line with this Nick Cave mentality. I'm like, I'm just trying not to put pressure on myself right now because I have that instinct too to be like, well, I need to come out of this with like the most insanely brilliant thing that I've ever created because why? Because I have the time, but Mm -hmm. who gives a fuck? Yeah. yeah, but it's it you'll you will come out of it with something the incredible that you've created, but it might be internally, you know, it, that you've you know, it might be more of a subtle internal shift that's more important than, you know, writing a novel or, you know, using the time in more um you know, outward ways. Yeah, I've. I mean, I'm already coming out of it with just connecting with people more. That's that's a, which is I ironic. Th- yeah, I feel like that's the main thing for me. I mean, that's been the main thing for me so far is really um, checking in with everybody and um, people that I never that I always think about and never get a chance to. I just for whatever reason I don't contact them it's been i know kind of nice and we see so many people out we go out you know walking or in nick's case running every day and um we never used to see anybody and now every single person that we've never seen before from our neighborhood is out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know their whole family and you know it's just so interesting it's so different people are um turning into children again and discovering nature again. Mm-hmm. It's bringing us close to, um, close to nature. Yeah. The simple, the simple things, mm-hmm. simpler, simpler things. Although it is interesting because, you know, Nick was saying the other day that we have, what if this had happened at a time when we didn't, have all these means of communication that we have now. I mean, that would have been uh, something else. I know. Which is the case for every other, you know, plague or whatever you want to call it throughout history. They didn't have any of that. I know. Well, you know, the um, the movie, Nick, that we were in, The Little Hours, was based on the idea, of, you know, from when the plague, the plague was happening and people were just, gathering around telling each other's stories because they didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. I love that movie. It's very timely now. So, um, let's talk about something else though. Let's talk about a different time in our lives. Okay. Aubrey, tell us a story of something that happened to you that was either Really great or really terrible? Oh my god! Yeah. Hmm. Really great or really terrible? Or you can make it up. Okay. Or it well, can be about anything. 
Mm. I'll tell you a story that not many people know. Well, maybe you know. Do you know the story of when I went to Africa? Mm-mm. This actually has something to do with um, illness. So maybe, I don't know if this is triggering, but I decided to do a um, a study abroad program in West Africa in Ghana. Wait, do you know this, Nick? I don't think so. Is this before? This is like when I was when in high, when I was in college. When I was in NYU. Well, when I was in NYU, I decided to do this um, study abroad program because a I was trying to like knock off a lot of my credits because I was like just itching to get out of school, and um, and I and I found that this documentary program that took place in West Africa was happening, and um, it would knock out a bunch of my credits, and so. I, that wasn't the only reason I wanted to do it. I was also drawn. I was drawn to this program. I don't know why. And actually later on, I found out through my 23 and me that I'm 10% West African, specifically wow. from w- one of the areas that I w- went to and I lived in for six <laughs> weeks, um, which is very interesting. And so my story goes like this. I did this <laughs> program. It was the first program that NYU had ever done had ever done this program. And I believe the last, we were the guinea pigs. There were about 10 or 11 of us and they hadn't done this yet. So we were kind of like a little bit of an experiment. Um, And I don't think it went well because I don't think they ever did it again and it became kind of um, dangerous. But when I went to Africa, my roommate was this pirate girl named Ginny who was like a drunken sailor from like the keys. Um, She didn't even go to NYU. She just like went to this program. She transferred to this program from another school because, because I don't know, she was a pirate and she thought like we were going to go on the beach or something, but the beaches there are not, it's not like you go and tan like you're in Miami. I mean, it's like, you know, um, it's, it's West Africa. It's like, it's not like that. But um, anyway, the crazy thing that happened was, um, you know, when you go to these countries, um, these kinds of countries, you have to take medicine, you have to take, um, preventative medicine. So you don't get malaria. Um, you don't get all these things. And because I had a stroke when I was 20, I was on like a specific medication from the NYU health center. And they told me, I don't know why am I telling this story? This is like a horrible story. Um, it's not funny, but basically because I had that stroke, they were very particular about what kind of malaria medication they had to put me on. And so they put me on a certain kind that no one else got put on. And, and I found out later that there was a mistake and they actually had put me on the opposite one that I was supposed to take. And the one that they had put me on was a medication called Larium that has neurological side effects. One being, two being, and this, you can read this if you look up the symptoms, side effects of Larium. Feeling an evil presence behind you is, <laughs> is an actual thing that it says. Feeling an evil presence behind you and hallucinations. And so I was in West Africa in this program um, you know, we had armed security guards at, at the, at our, you know, living compound or whatever. And I remember one day I walked outside, there wasn't a cloud in the sky and I looked up and I looked at my arm and I was feeling all these raindrops on my arm. And I looked at Ginny and I was like, isn't it so weird that it's raining? I don't see a cloud in the sky. 
how is it raining right now? And she was like, it's not raining. What's, what are you talking about? And I was like, what do you mean? It's raining. I feel the drops on my arms. I was hallucinating that it was raining on me. And then that night there was a bonfire on the beach and I had a panic attack walking towards the bonfire where I felt like someone was going to kill me. And so they like, and I like had an actual freak out. And so they ended up putting me in a military, they ended up putting me in a, in a, um, in a truck and uh, driving me to the military hospital in the middle of the night. Oh my um, God. And um, because I was hallucinating and then they realized that I was put on the wrong medication. Um, And the (laughs) funny thing about it is I had this blog that I had set up right before I went to Africa um, back when blog spots were really popular. Remember when everyone had those Mm -hmm. and my blog that I created was called I'm gonna g-h-a-n-a die dot blogspot dot com and it was a joke but it was like (laughs) you know it was a joke about like oh i'm gonna go to like africa and get into and i don't know like get into some crazy situations but my mom but then actually i started ending up getting into these really dangerous situations and my mom was like posting on this blog and telling me like please like don't do this um anyway i'm fine and um when was I it? Made, How old were I made you it through. Happened? You made it. Was it was 2005. Oh, wow. You um, made it to, to do my tarot cards. I made it, but I guess the point of the story is um, I've, I've been through a lot and <laughs> I've seen it all. Yeah, you really. Yeah. And um, I'm alive yeah, well, to tell it. A lot to teach. I feel like you have a, a propensity for you know, um, adventure, but also, uh, a slight foolhardiness with a sense of humor that has gotten you inadvertently in trouble like that. Uh, yes. Well, I feel like I take jokes a little too far (laughs) and that was, that was a joke that I took too far because it, it was a joke kind of, and then it became, dangerous yeah so you guys uh know each other from a television show called parks and recreation Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. did we now uh that's true and Mm -hmm. um but i was thinking earlier uh because we were going to be talking to you uh, to my knowledge and correct me if i'm wrong megan um i feel like we first noticed aubrey when she was on Maggie's show um, and, and Aubrey was the teenage daughter in, in the minivan. What was the name of that show? The Jeannie Tate show? Yeah. You the saw Jeannie the Jeannie Tate, Tate show? We oh, did. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because we knew Bill Hader the whole time. Oh. And so then we knew his, when he was married to Maggie. Um, and so we, we watched that show. So we already were like, Who's this weird ass firecracker? Yeah, and then um, we watched some of your, I like YouTube videos. I remember oh, the no. one where you put on lips. Oh no, that's not you. That's Megan Amram. Is <laughs> 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 she that puts the lipstick on and does her whole face? Yeah. But I remember <laughs> you saying like, "Oh, this girl," and you had some crazy videos and stuff. Well, at that time, I I don't. E- I think I did have some 
YouTube. That was like, you know, the birth of the web video those days. But a lot of the videos, it's funny because a lot of the videos that I had posted online at that time, I never in a million years thought anyone else would see them. It was like that thing that you would do as starting out as an actor where you would like post, you would like put things on YouTube just so that you had a link to send to someone. But it wasn't really like, oh, I'm posting this online for it to go viral because when I was like doing my um, trying to figure out my characters and stuff for my SNL audition, one of them was like a Sarah Silverman impression that I had done, and I put it online just to That's be able I, we just to be one. able to like use it for my reel. And then through the years, I forgot that it was still online, and it's then so people good. started watching it, and I was like, that wasn't meant for public consumption right, exactly. <laughs> well who, who could have like, imagined that where society would have gone I mean not not a clod like me but like the I'm so glad knock on wood like these uh, these politicians who have these like high school videos come out where they're in blackface or they're doing mm-hmm. you know some horrible misogynist activity and uh, I, I, I'm so grateful my cousin and I loved in like the eighties, we loved making videos and they were stupid. You know, there were our attempts at comedy, mm-hmm. but I'm just so glad we didn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're apparently not around anyway. Cause I haven't seen any of them, but listen, who- I have, I got a lot of videos, you know, a lot of, a lot of videos out there. Just <laughs> plowy. I did a, I did a, a parody of, um, of Teen Wolf, but it's called Teen Hag. You ever saw that one? Uh-uh. <laughs> it's like it's like a parody of Teen Wolf, but in, and but instead of turning into a wolf, I turn into a hag. Um, <laughs> I think you'd really enjoy that. That it's sounds on YouTube. really good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a shot by um, shot. How about a few reminiscences of everybody's favorite, everybody's cult favorite Parks and, Parks and, Rec. and Rec? Yeah. Well, I'll start. Uh, I remember, um, and it's kind of it's, it's become sort of a famous description of Aubrey that um, the the champion, I mean, historic. I'm surprised they haven't added her to Mount Rushmore. Uh, the casting director, Allison Jones, mm. um, who uh, told Mike and Greg Daniels, the creators of Parks and Rec, that they needed to see Aubrey. And Allison had been trying to get me on stuff for years. She was such an incredible unfailing champion of mine she's just like you gotta see this weird guy he talks real slow and and somehow it's funny um so when i first went in to like meet with them immediately mike's description of you was so funny where he was like aubrey came in and uh i was kind of terrified of her um (laughs) but she's really charismatic so we just said like let's put her on the show and we'll figure out Let's just hire her, and then we'll figure out what to what to do with her mojo. And so I, I we kind of, I feel like we kind of hit it off pretty quickly. It probably came out pretty soon that we have the same birthday. We're both born on mm. June twenty sixth. Yes, we are, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but but I in an early episode we were shooting uh this. Christmas special where we were all on stage doing some sort of like kids school Christmas special. I guess maybe, maybe it was supposed to be at like the community center. 
And you and Amy were uh, dressed as like Indians. Oh my God. And you were, and you were making up this silly voice and you kept saying like, we are, we are sleepies, some sort of (laughs) weird little tribal chant. We are sleepies. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, it was, it was a hugely informative, like first I was like, oh, she's so fucking weird in the best way. Like she is the super weird kid in class who will say the thing everyone else would be embarrassed to say. Right. And so everyone Scared would think she's the coolest and she's super hilarious. And so for me, that's when I was like, oh, I want to be super friends with. Oh my God. Aubrey. I don't remember any of that. No, we are sneakies. We are sneakies. Oh yeah, my God. Like, sneakies. Yes. Little, like mice Indians. We are sneakies. <laughs> That's right. Cute. Man, I, Amy. So Amy is like, what is rewatching the entire series right now with her sons for the yeah. first time. And I was talking to her yesterday and she was telling me about some episode that I straight up could not rem- I don't remember at all. Like my, mo- <laughs> my memory has complete, like there's entire, episodes that i have no memory we did so many episodes we yeah. did and in defense in your defense 80 percent of your character was you not paying attention i know god it was such a great job i could be hung over i could i could yeah. just be i could be i could sleep on my desk and it would be a joke they would laugh and be right. like oh Aubrey, they, keep, keep it up that's great right i wouldn't know my lines um yeah, and I you got paid to be surly. I know. I it was a really good gig, and I would say Nick, not to be too you know sentimental, but I would say you you really early on like were so important for me, like just putting everything in perspective because I really didn't know what was happening. Like I never intended to be on. I mean, I wanted to be on television, but I didn't think in a million years that I would be on television like that and when i met mike sure i didn't even realize the weight of that meeting i straight up was just excited about being on the set of the office and i kept thinking like oh my god mindy kaling just walked by and like all these famous people from the office are here and i thought that was so cool and i was like wearing jean shorts how old are you when that i was like 23 Mm. but i just didn't really understand that that was that that was a meeting that would change my entire life. And then I remember when I don't even know what I said to Mike sure, but I think basically he said, you know, and then there's this character of Amy's and then maybe, you know, she's going to have an assistant that's blonde or whatever. And I was like, well, maybe she, maybe that, you know, the assistant should just be me and I should just not even want to be there. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyway. And like, <laughs> then started talking to Greg Daniels about the meaning of life and happiness and we got into this like super trippy conversation and about like the meaning, literally the meaning of life. I don't know why or how that happened. And then I didn't even know, realize who he was. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't really realize who he was. And then the next thing I found out was that I was there. I was going to be on that show. Um, you know what? It's so cool. And you guys are welcome to disagree, but I think this has happened to me a few times. I've been lucky enough. Uh, if, if you have such a meeting 
and you end up talking with the show creator about the meaning of life, <laughs> means you got the job. Right, okay. <laughs> it's never never happened to me again. That's the thing. When you when you're unconsciously kind of existing, right. you things happen and then when you when you try to make that happen, it doesn't work out so well. Yeah, there is a certain innocence to that. But Nick, you were so when we when we were doing that show in the beginning, you were so you were so great at like because it's so intoxicating to be on a you know network television show and to come from nothing and then go into that world and be like, whoa, like everyone's just giving me like snacks and treating me like I'm some special person all of a sudden for no reason. It's like such a weird mind fuck. And you always reminded me like, you know, like don't buy into that. Don't buy into that hype. Get your own coffee, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was definitely like at a, you know, I had my moments where I'd be kind of like, I'm I'm annoyed about whatever. And then you'd be like, this is the best job we could ever (laughs) ask for and i'd be like all right fine (laughs) shut up um if you're not having fun there are plenty of people who would be willing to come take your place but why did you always fart because like that was the thing that was really sucked for me is you just farted all the time yeah megan can weigh in on this but it's gonna happen is the problem and why uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd have, we'd have to get a biologist on the podcast. But I mean, I, I'm not the alone. I'm not alone. Like Pratt's like that. My dad is like that. My brother's like that. It's it happens to certain people. I don't know why. You're doing it on purpose, and you always did. I can't do it on purpose. I can't. <laughs> you would you would on yeah. purpose fart in front of me and Amy every scene. Because you knew it was disgusting. Well, he hated it. To me, that's he does just, it to me every minute of every day. Either you can have fun, like it's going to happen. So either we can bemoan it or we can have a good time. Oh, God. <laughs> He's got a disorder. His dad and his brother are the same way. It's, I always tell him, like, God, go to the doctor. <laughs> it's not normal. I, do, I don't, I really don't mean to, uh, to upset anyone. Um, Liar. Yeah. You no. love it. Liar. You have some sick. Maybe I do. Maybe I am. Pleasure Maybe that's out of the, the heart of my sadism. It's his sublimated anger. That's how he directs it at people. Isn't Adam Scott so lame? <laughs> he is totally lame. <laughs> He's the lamest. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, like man. miss I just miss getting to make fun of him and just making him angry and uh, hearing never, all Jim's disgusting dirty jokes. I don't understand how um Adam is so good. Like I think that's what makes him such a great straight man or leading man is that he's so good at embracing the what is lame about being a human being. Mm-hmm. And so that that thing that that the the show really began to exploit, where like his cones of Dunshire or his love of calzones or or any other lame thing, he would just sincerely like the accounting jokes that he would make mm. at the accounting firm to that other accountant named Barney, who was so funny. 
Mm. And Adam would be like, mm, here's a pun uh, with some accounting terminology. And I, I could not keep my shit together because he was so funny at that. He's so good. He's just really good, just in general. But yeah, but super lame. You're Have right. you talked to him? Uh, we try not to. Good. He's constantly haranguing us, texting night and day. It's embarrassing. Yeah, we've had to change our uh, change our numbers a few, times. a few times. Yeah. Before I ever met you, Aubrey, I heard from probably three other cast members that you had a big crush on Nick. And Ew, I like, no, I didn't. Re- yes, you did. Ew. Okay. He's look. I'm married to him. I, I did not. Cute. Who the fuck said that? I'm some of your friends. No, some of your besties. I think. Uh, I don't think. Eh. I don't think that's <laughs> exactly accurate. I think that in the in the paradigm of the show, you were 23. I think that one of the ways in which you you ha- had fun uh, making mischief, and so you were, I think, flirtatious with not only me but other guys that were not in your age group. You know? Yeah. No. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I like who? Look, all I know is what I hear. What? Just because I what have daddy issues? What are you saying? Probably. I mean, I have a crush on your boyfriend, Jeff. So I, I, I didn't know this was going to come out on our podcast, but I, I guess it was. Look, just planned. because I'm being funny doesn't mean that I'm flirting. Okay, men don't understand this. They think that like uh, Nick if a didn't girl say is like it. being funny no. to them. Like, let me clear something up. Nick flirting. did not tell me that. I understood that others, you were being funny. Others. Who are you talking about, Sam Elliott? Sam does spring to mind. <laughs> Which, you know, I think that uh, you were also getting getting a laugh uh, out of, like, playing that stereotype, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you do that with De Niro when you worked with him? De Niro the- was my love interest, okay? Oh, we had right. to drum up. We had to drum up some chemistry. <laughs> that was a love story. And in fact, Dirty Grandpa 2 is being negotiated as we Zoom, okay? And Dirty Grandpa 2 is going to be all about me and Bob's relationship. Cute. Well, I don't think of you as being, um, I mean, I think, you know, I don't think of you as being one of those kind of weird, uh, over, overly flirty girls at all well you flirt with me and i love it well i don't i don't know what i am but like well we can change the subject but that's how i first heard about you and then i met you um i think i met you when when i did the whatever the first tammy episode was maybe or maybe the second because i don't know if i was on that i don't know if i was on the office set in the first one maybe i don't remember um but I remember thinking you were a cute little imp. Were you Tammy one or Tammy two? Tammy two. Mm-hmm. Right. It's confusing, yeah. Because I was, yeah, because I was there first, but but technically I was Tammy two, and then um, Tammy Patty two Clarkson were, is Tammy one. And Tammy two, but were, she only did I think one episode, right, Patty? Maybe two, maybe two episodes. Remember when I made out with Patricia Clarkson, but it never made it on the air? <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. I don't think the, I knew about that. The last wait was she a Tammy? She was Tammy one. 
Yeah. She was Tammy one in the the very last take we made out, but they didn't, they didn't put it on the air because I think <laughs> it was too scandalous for network that's television. Funny. Well, that's, but it's that it's exactly that sort of, you know, that sort of wildcat behavior. You know, remember when Jim and I made out on um, Seth Meyers show? Oh, oh yeah, my that God. Was, that was so that was so <laughs> upsetting. Well, not only, I mean, not only for the obvious reasons, but what people might not realize is that Jim O'Hare has a tongue as big as my fucking cat. Yeah, but so do I. <laughs> That's gross. That's, you have you have a large tongue. Yours is I like have a, a wide piece tongue. Of yeah, Puerto, Re- Puerto Ricans have big tongues. That's impressive. But Jim has the tongue of of a Siberian yak. Oh, <laughs> fucking gross! <laughs> Ew. Have you been to Puerto Rico? Yeah, I have family there still. My band partner and Nancy and Beth, Stephanie. I think. Oh, you I know. know. Her. We're, yeah, we're she's this, Puerto Rican. I know we're the same. Um, we're both half Puerto Rican and half Irish, except that her mom is Puerto Rican and her dad's Irish. I think, and my. And mine's the reverse. My dad is Puerto Rican. My mom's Irish. Yeah, Stephanie and I have talked about that. I feel like Stephanie and I actually have a lot in common. And like every time I'm around her, we're always like, let's be friends. But then she doesn't live near near me. Yeah. So yeah. Like, no, you guys definitely I can definitely see you guys being friends for sure. Yeah. Or fierce rivals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and ultimately engaging in a death match. Maybe I'll Zoom her like this. Sometimes I pop in on Zooms like oh, yeah? this and just surprise people on Zooms. You can, how do you know that there's on Zoom? Yeah, how do you navigate? I don't. I just text them a link and see if they click on it or not. Oh, <laughs> nice. I just wait. <sighs> I wait. I wait to see who's who says yes. Well, listen, Aubrey, thank you so much. And this will conclude yet another riveting installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan. Thanks, Aubrey Plaza. We love you. I love you, too. And I bless your soul. In Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts.